We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Hope you guys are having a great Wednesday night. It is Wednesday, May 12, 2021. I am the Solid Monster, and this is your AEW Dynamite Review. Tonight, we had our second taste of New Japan blood on AEW television. First, it was Kenta a few months ago. Tonight, it was Yuji Nagata challenging John Moxley for the IWGP United States Championship. Oh, I've been waiting for this. And then we had that main event. And we have a brand new TNT champion. His name is Miro. And all it took was him putting down the video game controller and killing dudes. Going around and killing dudes. Which is what I've been waiting for him to do. Not only is he the new TNT champion, but I think those two guys had a kick-ass main event. Of what overall was a very good episode of Dynamite tonight. I thought this was a very strong show. They have three title matches set up for the show tonight, including the tag team titles. Big match with the Young Bucks defending against SCU. If SCU loses, there would be no more SCU. No more Chris Daniels tagging with Frankie Kazarian. That was the big stipulation hanging over that match tonight. So we got a lot to run through here. Like I said, on what I thought overall was a very strong show here on the road to Double or Nothing, which is coming up in just a few weeks. Plus, we got some news here to talk about at the very beginning AEW is taking Dynamite back on the road starting in July. I know a lot of you have been waiting for this, especially those of you who have been waiting to get back out at the different wrestling events, planning your trips down to Jacksonville. Although they're going to be leaving Jacksonville, but I know there's a fair number of people who are hoping to attend Double or Nothing, which is going to be full capacity in a few weeks, about 5,000 people. Don't know if they're going to get to 5,000, but that's around the number they're going to allow inside the venue for the event at the end of the month. But uh, earlier this week, the announcement was made, and I'm just going to read from it right now. This is directly from AEW earlier this week. After safely hosting 27 live ticketed events throughout the past nine months at Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida, AEW is bringing the excitement of its flagship show Dynamite to Miami, Austin, and Dallas this summer. What are that? What do those locations have in common? It's Texas and it's Florida, because of course it is. It's Texas and it's Florida, the two states that are completely open 100%. So not really much of a surprise that they would be going on the road there. AEW will become the first major wrestling promotion to safely return to a traveling schedule since March of 2020. Feels like forever ago. Each event will be held in compliance with state COVID safety guidelines and seating capacities will adhere to state and local mandates. So that does not mean that the buildings are necessarily going to be packed. To be honest with you, even if they were allowed to be, we don't know. You know, when they get on the road and they go to different cities, even if it is Texas, we don't know how many people are going to be willing to come out. So if they're in a, a 5,000 seat venue, maybe they're only able to get 3,000. Still got people who are uh, a little skittish. They're not ready to necessarily venture out yet. So we'll see. It's kind of like a grand experiment. They're the first ones who are doing it, and we're going to find out what the 
appetite is for people to start going to uh, shows again. But the dates are Wednesday, July 7th at the James L. Knight Center in Miami. Wednesday, July 14th at the HEB Center in Cedar Park, Texas. That's the greater Austin area. And Wednesday, July 21st, Curtis Culwell Center in Garland, Texas. That is the greater Dallas area. So who among you in the chat is planning on going? Let me know. Or you can send in a super chat, either way. Because if you're going to send something in the chat, there's no way I'm going to see it right now. But I'm curious, if anybody listening to this is planning on attending any of these shows. I don't know how many of you live near these areas. I don't know that people are going to be flying in from cross-country to go to Dynamite, but let me know. Let me know. Let me know where your head is at as far as uh, starting to get out and go to some of these events in the big arenas. Ricky Starks, unfortunately, who we did not see tonight, Ricky Starks is expected to miss around three months of in-ring action due to a fractured neck. Credit to the Voices of Wrestling. I think they first broke the story on their Patreon a few days ago about the injury. Uh, He is still expected to appear on television, so it's not as if we're not going to see Ricky Starks for three months. I I didn't see him tonight, but uh, he'll be around. You know, maybe on Dark even. He'll make appearances with Team Taz, but he will not be physically uh, competing or performing in the ring due to the, uh, the injury. This is from that very scary spot in the match he had uh, several weeks ago on Dynamite with Hangman Page. Hangman gave him a release German suplex. He came down right on the back of his neck, and he no-sold it. So he immediately popped right up to his feet. The match continued. He finished the match, although I don't think I've seen him in the ring since. So he totally no-sold it, but man, you know, that, that adrenaline, when it wears off, it's a bitch. So I'm sure either in the back that night or the next morning, once all the adrenaline wore off and he kind of had that cool down period, he felt it. Fractured neck is no joke. The good news is that it doesn't look like he's going to need surgery. So they're going to give it a few months, let it heal on its own. He should be good to go. Hopefully you never know with these things. They could wait three months and his neck could still be jacked up. Hopefully he won't need surgery. It doesn't look like he will. And uh, I am uh, I'm pulling for him to come back as soon as possible. Ricky Starks is one of the kind of those uh, diamonds in the rough that they have in this company. One of those young guys who's going to go on to much bigger and better things. I see big things in his future, but he's got to stay healthy. You don't want to start messing around with the neck. Ask Taz. Taz knows about uh, neck injuries. It's not something you want to get involved in. So tonight we open hot. I love this opening to this show tonight. I just thought this was so much fun. The first 15 minutes of this show, I thought were a blast. We had the New Japan Pro Wrestling. Sensation. I guess sensation's not really the right word. He's been around for decades. New Japan's own Yuji Nagata. Out there with Ren Narita, escorting him to the ring. Is Ren Narita still a, uh, a young lion? feel like uh, Ren Narita was a young lion going back about uh, two or three years. Is he still technically considered a young lion? I don't want to disrespect him or anything, but I put that in my notes. I said, young lion, Ren Narita, escorting him down to the ring to take on John Moxley for Moxley's IWGP United States Championship, the first such title defense of that belt on AEW television. 
So this was a uh, historic night, history in the making here on this program. Moxley entered through the crowd with Eddie Kingston to the song Wild Thing by the Trogs. Tony Khan, busting open that wallet. Unless that song is just so old, it's in the public domain now and it doesn't cost him a penny. (laughs) I don't think that's the case, though. I'm sure he had to pay whatever it was. I'm sure he had to pay for it. Uh, apparently this was a, uh, a nod, something of a tribute to Atsushi Onita, who had many an entrance to that theme song. And so this was, I guess, Moxley's little tribute to him. So it may have just been a one night thing. I, I actually like John Moxley's AEW theme song a lot. I mean, it's just an instrumental, just like his WWE theme was. And I liked his WWE theme. I think his AEW theme kicks ass. I love it. So I actually hope that this was just a one-time tribute and this is not his new theme song because I don't know if I'm one of the few, but uh, I have no issue with his his AEW song. Excalibur talked about uh, Nagata's rivalry years ago with the Ultimo Dragon when they used to wrestle each other on WCW television. Last time that Yuji Nagata appeared on TNT, 23 years ago. Now just think back. How old were you, and what were you doing 23 years ago? I was thinking about that myself. 23 years ago, what year? Well, that would have been 98, right? Right in the heart of the Attitude Era. I was going to my first Monday Night Raw. I won tickets from a radio station. I was sitting up in the luxury box. I was meeting Owen Hart and Mick Foley. 23 years ago, and this guy is still going. This guy's 53 years old. Nagata looked good out there. You know, a little slow in the early going, and then once this really kind of kicked up to that next level, man, he was throwing those kicks. He was coming off the top rope. He looked good. For 53, he looked good. I saw somebody online uh, refer to Nagata as sort of the uh, babyface equivalent, like in New Japan, the babyface equivalent to what Minoru Suzuki would be. Now, there's only one Minoru Suzuki, but I can kind of see that. I guess, again, if you want to say the babyface, non-sort of uh, scary-looking equivalent, I guess I could see that. I think that's a, a fair comparison. They also said that this match would be contested under New Japan rules, meaning a 60-minute time limit and a 20-count outside the ring. I wish they would adopt the 20-count here in the States. I just think it makes a lot more sense. Instead of doing the slow count, you count at a normal pace, and you kick in an extra 10 seconds. When they do it in New Japan, especially for the big matches, what I love, you have the ring announcer, you hear him on the uh, the mic, on the loudspeaker, and as he's getting closer to 20, The count is becoming more dramatic. So he'll go 15, 16, 17, 18. And then the guy right at the last minute slides into the ring. I wish they would adopt that here in this country. They showed Rocky Romero sitting in the audience. He's sort of the uh, the bridge between the two companies. So they were exchanging forearms in the middle of the ring. Out on the floor, Moxley hit a diving knee off the apron. Sent Nagata into the barricade. Nagata caught Moxley with an exploder suplex for a near fall. And a little bit later on, Moxley hit a German suplex, running Lariat for two. Nagata powered out of a pile driver attempt. And uh, put Moxley up on the top rope. Hit an avalanche exploder. 
right off the top. Moxley applied a rear naked choke, and Nagata escaped into the armbar. And this is, of course, his signature spot. Camera zooms in on his the whites of his eyes. Actually, the camera almost missed it at first. As he was as he was doing the whole whites of the eyes thing, the camera cut away. The fuck are you doing? You don't cut away during a spot like that. Thankfully, he was still doing it when they cut back to him, so they didn't miss it. But Moxley got to the ropes. They traded strikes. Nagata hit an enziguri. Moxley came back with a sliding lariat, went for the bulldog choke. And Moxley, I don't know exactly where it happened or when it happened. Somewhere in here, he got cut under his eye, so he got a little bit of uh, hard way blood. Not the last time we would see blood on this show. And uh, finally, Moxley hit the elevated paradigm shift for the win to retain the championship. The outcome here was never in doubt. I don't think anybody expected Nagata to walk out with the belt. But uh, when the match was over, Moxley put the belt on the mat. He laid it down right in front of Nagata. He got down on his knees. He bowed down to him. Nagata bowed back as a show of respect. They got up. They raised each other's hands. Wild Thing was playing over the PA system. I thought this was fucking great. If I had to sum this whole opening up in one word, fun. This was a fun open. And one of my favorite Dynamite openings, frankly, uh, that they've done on this show. I love this. More of this, please. More title defenses. More crossover between the two promotions. This was the first step in that. And uh, and AEW, obviously, is heading back out on the road in the next few months, so the timing could not be any more perfect. They're going to have more New Japan crossover in the future. By then, they may be in some other city, in a packed building. And we'll see what the response is when they send the next talent out. Hopefully, it's somebody with a a little bit younger and somebody with a bigger name than uh, Yuji Nagata. Maybe they'll send Minoru. Maybe they'll send Suzuki next time. Maybe. Maybe. Actually, you know who they should send next? Yano. You cowards. Senyano, maybe the only man who could strike fear in the heart of John Moxley. Senyano to dynamite. Yeah, Santiago says he wishes the match was a little bit longer. It could have gone a few minutes longer, but I'm not I'm not complaining about anything in that opening segment. Look, look at all the shit that they had on the show tonight. Seriously. They're always, and that's one of the Achilles heels. They try to put too much sometimes on these shows. So the very definition of AEW when they do these dynamite shows, they're they're trying to shovel 15 pounds of shit into a five-pound bag. (laughs) They're trying their hardest. And sometimes it's just too much. So they don't really have a minute to spare given everybody they want to get on the show. Alex Marvez was backstage with what is left of the inner, or what was left at that time of the inner circle. It looked like they only had three guys in the building. Uh, Ortiz, Jake Hager, and Sammy Guevara. They were talking about blood and guts last week. Ortiz admitted that the pinnacle won, but MJF showed his true colors with what he did at the end of the show. Said Santana was arrested and detained for his use of a fork. Arrested and detained, really? Interesting. So then why is MJF out? Is he out on bail? He tried to murder somebody. I guess using a fork on somebody as a weapon 
That's unacceptable. But trying to shove someone from a high altitude down to their death, that's all right. That's all right. You know what that is? That's white privilege. That's right. <laughs> now I'm going to open up a whole can of worms now. I'm sure I'm surprised MJF didn't bring that up in his promo just to get heat. But anyway, Santana wasn't there. Jericho, they said uh, his arm was hurt. Excalibur said he had a dislocated elbow from what happened the week before. And I'm thinking, as I'm watching this promo, and Jake Hager is speaking, and he actually wasn't terrible. Usually him, you know, getting mic time is a bit of a dangerous thing. But he was fine. And, you know, Sammy was talking about how, you know, we want a rematch. If you don't give us our rematch tonight, this pinnacle coronation segment is going to be the pinnacle's funeral. And I'm thinking, you know, I applaud AEW for not putting Chris Jericho on the show. One week after he took a big bump off, the, no matter how ridiculous it looked, okay? Let's kayfabe it for a second. This was a big bump that he took, right? He got shoved off the cage 12 feet down to his doom. He shouldn't be on the show tonight, right? He should at least miss one fucking week of television. And I'm thinking, this is good. Jericho doesn't have to be here tonight. Let him take a week or two off. Of course, I wasn't thinking that a few segments later. I was giving them credit a little too soon. I jumped the gun. This was not the last time that we would see the inner circle on this show. And then we had Cody Rhodes. Oh my God. Oh my God. Cody Rhodes for his big double or nothing announcement. Oh boy. This promo. You know, I'm sure all of you have, at one time or another, unless you don't drive. If you don't have a driver's license, maybe you haven't had this experience before. But you'll have your GPS open on your phone, in your car, whatever. The GPS wants to take you a certain way. But you know that you don't want to go that way. Because that's going to take you out of your way. Why am I going to go all the way this way? And add 20 minutes onto my commute just to get to my destination when I can go this way. Right? We've all had that experience. Well, this is kind of what this promo was like. They wanted to go the scenic route. When you didn't have to go the scenic route, instead of going left, you could have gone right. And you would have gotten to the same destination. I didn't know where this promo was going. This promo touched on a little bit of everything. It touched on race. It touched on politics. It touched, I mean, it touched on everything. This sounded like a stump speech that he would be giving if he was running for the Senate, which Cody has said he wants to run for politics. I forgot what he said, if he wants to run either for Senate or, or governor or what, or what it was. Uh, and, and this guy will absolutely 100% run for political office. I guarantee you that. I don't know what state. I don't know what party he'll be part of. I don't really give a shit. But if you don't think that this guy's not running for office one day, then you're not paying attention. Okay, I 100% believe that. But he had a destination that he was going. Ultimately, he did get there. But uh, like I said, this sounded more like a political speech for the first, oh, I don't know, 18 minutes or so of this promo. He talked about being proud to be an American. And he talked about Anthony Agogo, who punched him in the stomach a few weeks ago, left him laying, or was it last week? 
And Anthony Agogo, of course, is a boxer from England. He's from the UK. The only thing that I have seen from Anthony Agogo, and I admit that maybe I've missed an Anthony Agogo promo from Dark. I'm not following his every move. I know of what I see of him from Dynamite. The only thing I have seen of him that really ties into national pride is when he takes the Union Jack, as he did with Cody, took the flag, and he draped it across his his body after he put Cody down with the liver shot. That's really all that he's done. But you would listen to this promo and think that this guy, this, this is like Sergeant Slaughter turning on America back in 1990 or whatever, 91, and becoming the Iraqi sympathizer and Hulk Hogan coming up and talking about the good old U.S. of A. and fighting for America and all this other stuff. You would think that this was some kind of nat- big nationalistic angle. All he did was he laid the Union Jack down over Cody, and this just set Cody off. Cody was out there thinking that he was Captain America. The only thing missing was the fucking shield. The actual shield. I'm not talking about Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. He's talking about Anthony Agogo talking down to about the United States, and you know he's talking about how you're here in this country. They don't call it the England dream. You're in this country. You're taking American dollars, right? You're enjoying the fruits of America here during your time here in this country. He mentioned Bruno San Martino, although I don't think he mentioned him by name. But he mentioned an Italian immigrant coming to this country and becoming the world champion and holding the title for over 4,000 days which, of course, is Bruno San Martino. Talked about the day... Then, so then he pivoted. Okay, so he's talking about all that stuff, right? And then he pivots, and now he's talking about, like, race relations in this country. He branches off into segregation and how the blacks and the whites back in the 60s, they weren't even allowed to, like, be around each other and all this other stuff. And he talked about his wife who was at home about to give birth to what he said is going to be a beautiful black and white child. Is it a boy? No, it's a girl. Is it a boy? Or they had the whole, didn't they have the whole sex reveal or gender reveal on the show? I don't even remember what it is. It's human, okay? He's got a beautiful black and white human that's going to be delivered sometime in the next few months, I guess. Anyway, this is the long way, the scenic route, like I said, this is the long way of getting to the point, which is that he issued a challenge to Anthony Ugogo for double or nothing on May 30th, right? So he issues the challenge for a match, but he says, you're not going to be going against the American Nightmare. You're going to be going for one night only. You're going to be going against the American Dream. So he's taking the name, he's taking the mantle of his father, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, and for one night only, Cody is going to morph into Dusty Rhodes. That was the that was the destination where he was going with this promo. And of course, he was tearing up by the end when he was talking about his baby that's coming. He started almost crying a little bit, his eyes welled up. So at least it made sense by the end of this. I, I don't think this promo and everything that he was doing that was building up to this, I don't think Anthony Agogo was really worthy of all this. 
because it was one shot to the liver. <laughs> That's really all it was. You would think that this is some kind of really deeply personal, long vendetta that, that this man has had with this guy. So it all, to me, it just, it, the whole thing feels rushed, but it feels very forced. I just thought that if you're going to have a promo like this, you save it for something bigger than Anthony Agogo, and I'm fine with them trying to create a new star. You know, clearly they want to get this guy over. I Look, all we've seen from him is that he can throw a mean punch. Well, at the pay-per-view, you've got to go in there and have a match. So you're not just throwing one, one left hook or one right hook. You're going to have to be in there for a few minutes and actually wrestle. And we don't know what this guy is capable of. We don't know whether he's up to the challenge or not. But we're going to find out. I have no issue with them trying to make a new star, but again, the whole thing, it felt very forced. You know, Cody, Cody can be a fantastic promo. He has a tendency to do a lot of promos that are very self-indulgent. Sometimes they hit. Other times they miss the mark. This was this was less of a hit and more of, I think, just kind of getting into the weeds when he didn't have to. This could have been simplified. You could hey, you could have added a few more minutes onto the Yuji Nagata John Moxley match and cut a little bit out of this promo. Cody could have come out and said, you know, laying that flag on me last week, you know, and, and kind of talk about that, and then just issue the challenge. You know, but he was going somewhere with it, and uh, he took the long way. Then we had the Tag Team Championship on the line. The Young Bucks defending the AEW Tag Team titles against SCU, Christopher Daniels, and Frankie Kazarian. This is perhaps going to be the final bow for SCU, because if they don't win, if they don't win this match, then SCU would be done. They would be done for. Finished. No more SCU. Nick Jackson super kicked Daniels at one point. They were outside the ring. He super kicked him into the ring post. And Daniels goes down. And the camera, you know, it's briefly, it's on uh, Nick Jackson. But then it quickly pans back over to Chris Daniels. And this guy is gushing blood. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. He is, he is, just blood is like leaking out of his head like a faucet. Blood everywhere. It looked like he had an artery. I am all for the use of blood selectively in wrestling. 
I, I don't think you need to go back to the barbaric days where guys were just gouging their fucking heads every week and every month, every big show. Then you end up with a whole army of people that look like Abdullah the Butcher and New Jack and Devon Dudley or Dusty Rhodes and all these guys that just their foreheads look like silly putty. All right? I'm all for getting away from that. But I do think that in certain matches, in certain instances, certain angles that you do, there is absolutely a time and a place to utilize blood in wrestling. And it's one of the things that AEW can do that WWE obviously likes to shy away from. People get bloody all the time in WWE too, but usually it's by accident. So last week we had a blood and guts match. The word blood is in the title of the match. You couldn't do that match without having blood. So I said it worked there. And then this week, we see Chris Daniels out here. I mean, you talk about going to the extreme. There is a difference between the selective use of blood and the overuse of blood. And I feel like with AEW right now, we are in the overuse phase. We are in hyperdrive when it comes to the overuse of blood. Dial it back. You don't need blood In every situation, now having said that, I'm going to contradict myself right now, because as I'm watching this, I'm thinking, boy, you know, this is completely unnecessary. He, you know, do we really need blood again a week after we had blood and guts? But when you see how it played out in this match, it played into the drama of the stipulation. The stipulation being that if these guys lose, they're not a team anymore. So every near fall, every kick out at the last second, Daniel stumbling around, right? The the, the the KG veteran hanging on, kicking out of every big move. Blood pouring down his face. The young bucks have blood all over him. It did add to the drama of the match. So it helped the match. But I still feel like they're overdoing it on the blood. There's no need to have blood all the time. Now, we're going to go into a pay-per-view in a couple of weeks. They're going to do a, a stadium stampede match, which I'm going to talk about. And I'm sure there's going to be even more blood. You know, when is enough enough? You use it too much, it kind of loses its effect. That's why you don't want to overuse it. Kazarian fought out of a uh, more bang for your buck. Got a double pin on both Matt and Nick with a Northern Light suplex for a close near fall. Kazarian rolled up Matt Jackson for a visual pin. Gallows, though, had the referee distracted. And as I'm watching this, and the announcers are complaining, hey, ref, pay attention, hey, ref, turn around, I didn't even know who the referee was. I couldn't see, but I knew. Like, I didn't know, but I knew. I said, I'll bet you it's Rick Knox. Because I really wasn't paying attention to who the referee was up to that point. Sure enough, sure enough, it was Nick. It was Rick Knox, the Angel Hernandez of referees in pro wrestling. There he is. Kazarian then hit a Styles Clash on Matt Jackson. Nick Jackson dove into the ring to break up the pin. Daniels came in, hit the Angels' wings, and then he tagged himself in officially. But uh, Matt Jackson immediately took him down with a spear. Daniels avoided a super kick. Matt powered out of the Angels' wings. Matt was then mocking the Shawn Michaels' Ric Flair spot from WrestleMania 24 putting on the waterworks and going, I'm sorry, I love you. And then he gave him a super kick. And that was a good near fall, because I think a lot of people probably bought into maybe that being the end of the match, but he kicked out. 
Daniels hit a Uranage. He attempted the best moonsault ever, but he stumbled. It was not a botch. I already saw some people. Oh, he botched it. Somebody clipped it and is sharing the clip now on Twitter. Like, oh, here's the here's the best moonsault ever, not realizing that it was part of the story of the match. The guy lost about five pints of blood. So the idea is that he was woozy. So he couldn't hit it the first time. So then he shook it off, and he tried a second time, and he hit it perfectly. So calm down. It was not a botch. Nick Jackson broke up the pin. Good Brothers got taken out outside the ring by Daniels, but uh, with Rick Knox distracted, and when is he not? Matt Jackson sprayed cold spray. That's what Excalibur said. Cold spray right in Daniels' eyes, and then he whacked him in the head with the canister, and they got me on that. I thought that was it. He kicked out. That was a good near fall. They, They even got me on that. Nick Jackson tagged in. The Bucks hit the BTE trigger. Kazarian was all the way on the ramp. And he can see this. He could see, like right in front of his eyes, he can see SCU just evaporating. And he tries, he dives into the ring. But I think it was Nick Jackson was kind of blocking him and he didn't make it in time. And the Young Bucks get the pin. They retain their tag team titles. And SCU is finished. SCU is no more. So now AEW is down one team. It's a good thing they have a lot of teams. Although not as many. Not as many. SCU now is done, right? You've got uh, the Lucha Bros really aren't a thing at the moment. But they still have a good number of teams. I, You know, they got the Butcher and the Blade, and they got the Bucks, and now you got Moxley and Eddie Kingston are doing their thing, and you've got Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, I guess, are a team now. So they still have a you know, private party, so they still have a good number of teams. Jurassic Express, Varsity Blondes, The Acclaimed. So if one or two teams go down, because they have a surplus of teams, the division is still strong. One of of their strong points in this company is the tag team division, especially compared to certain other companies. But there's one thing here that is, uh, they have to be called out on here. This was just egregious. And again, it might have just been a time management issue, but the match ends, this team, They've been together for years, even before they came to AEW. They've been in AEW from day one. This should be a bigger deal, right? They just lost. Frankie Kazarian looks like he's about to snap. Maybe he's going to go heel and beat up Daniels. What's he going to do, right? He gets back into the ring. Daniels is a bloody mess. But what do they do? They cut away. They actually cut away. And this is something that happens a lot on Dynamite. You know, I w- they don't. They don't give these these post-match angles enough time to breathe. This is a a problem. It happens uh, on more than one occasion on the show where they just cut away too soon. But to cut away in a moment like that... So, for example, they cut away, and they went, and they uh, immediately then cut back, and they showed us a replay of what we missed. Now, all that happened is that they hugged. They embraced in the middle of the ring. But you can't cut away from a moment like that. You got to let it play out and then cut away. So I thought that was very dumb. The match itself I thought was was very good. Uh, the blood ended up enhancing it, but I stand by my my point. Way too much blood in going on in this company right now. Blood and guts, perfect. 
big match like that, no problem with it. But it shouldn't be on television every week. That's that's what it feels like. Feels like a weekly occurrence now. And I'm not talking about when somebody accidentally gets cut open, like uh, we saw that earlier in the show with Moxley. Right? That was an accident. Cody. When he had the match with QT Marshall. I don't know if he cut himself or not. It's Cody's. Knowing him, he probably did. Uh, I thought that was just an accidental cut. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about planned blood. Style it back. So the camera cut backstage. What they cut away for. and it's a, This is what they cut away for. They cut away to show John Moxley and Eddie Kingston throwing furniture in the elite locker room. And then John Moxley said, I think I'm going to use the men's room. That, that's really what you had to cut away for in that moment? Really? That fucking segment. Later in the show, Matt Jackson cut a promo on both of them. The Elite were not happy when they came back there and found their locker room had been besmirched. That their uh, belongings had been thrown around, furniture had been destroyed. Although they left the Pepsi machine. They left that intact. But he, Matt Jackson that is, was uh, talking about Varsity Blondes. Before he addresses John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. Let's talk about next week, he says. And I guess Varsity Blondes are pretty high up there in the rankings. And he goes, next week, we're going to put our titles on the line against Griff Garrison and Brian Pillman Jr. And he starts to mock Pillman by saying, you want to be like your dad? You want to be like your daddy? You want to hold this? So uh, they're playing that angle up. And next week, it's going to be the Varsity Blondes against the Young Bucks. But then he challenged John Moxley and Eddie Kingston to a super kick party at Double or Nothing for the titles. So there it is. It's like I said a few weeks ago. It felt like that's what they were setting up for. Uh, Moxley and Kingston as a team challenging for the titles at the pay-per-view. I would do the title change. If it were me, I'd pull the BTE trigger and take those belts off those guys and put them on Moxley and Eddie Kingston. I think Moxley and Kingston are great. I love. I, I just love watching them on television. They're fun to watch together. So you want to, if you want to put the belts on them and then put them back on the Bucks in a month or two, then go ahead. You know, Kenny Omega, he's going to be champion for a while. We know that. The Bucks don't have to hold the belts for another six months. I say put them on Moxley and Kingston at the pay-per-view. We had a backstage interview with Christian Cage. Santiago in the chat says, who the F is Griff Garrison? How dare you? How do you not know who Griff Garrison is? Come on, man. Don't you know Griff? He's the crime dog. You never see the crime dog on TV? Isn't that his name? Griff? Gruff? Is it Gruff? McGriff. McGruff. No, it's McGruff. I think it's McGruff. Christian Cage was in the back, as I said, being interviewed about Team Taz. Next week... He's got an open challenge to any member of Team Taz who wants to step up and challenge him. And then he announced that he's going to be in the Casino Battle Royale at Double or Nothing. Then he gets interrupted by Matt Seidel. And Matt Seidel says, in fact, he is going to win the Battle Royale at Double or Nothing because it's redemption that he's looking for. If you remember when Seidel debuted last year at AEW, he was the, what do they call that final entrant? There's a name for it. The uh, the wild card entry or something. But he was, I think, the last man in. He was the big mystery entry. And unfortunately, he had that little uh, snafu where he slipped. 
on the top rope. It looked pretty bad. It was pretty embarrassing. So he's, I guess, looking to uh, to avenge that. But he said that instead of Team Taz, it would not be one of them that Christian would be facing next week. It would be him. He signed on the dotted line to accept his open challenge. And so next Wednesday, it's going to be Christian Cage one-on-one against Matt Seidel, which should be a very good match. Here's what I think. And I don't know if, if the Battle Royal of the pay-per-view is on the pre-show or if that's going to be on the pay-per-view itself. So I, you know, I could already see, oh my God, look at this, Christian's in the company for you know a month and already he's on the pre-show. What I think happened is that they were building to Christian one-on-one against Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks now is going to be out for a while. He's hurt. He's not cleared to compete. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So I think this is the fallback. I think this is the backup plan. They needed something for Christian to do, and I think that's putting him in the battle royal. I just can't believe that their idea for him was just to throw him in the battle royal, unless he's going to win it. I mean, unless they're just going to build up to a Christian Cage win, it just seemed like Ricky Starks would be the next obvious member of Team Taz to put him in the ring with. I think that would have been great. I think it would have been great for Starks to work with him, him to work with Starks. Maybe they would have done the match on Dynamite next week and not the pay-per-view. Maybe, but that's what I think happened here. And I think they had to come up with a plan B, and that's what this is. But Cage against Seidel next week, that should be very good. We have Orange Cassidy against Pac. In a world title eliminator match, the winner would challenge Kenny Omega for the championship at double or nothing. Uh, Before that, though, I just want to remind you guys, because there's only a few weeks left, so I want you to take advantage of this. Some of you did last week. So I want more of you to go ahead and sign up. Get AmazonMusic.com slash Solomonster. You see it says 30 days free. Well, guess what? It ain't 30 days free. It's three months 90 days free, but only through May 24th. So don't uh, fuck around here. Get AmazonMusic.com slash Solomonster. Get yourself three free months of Amazon Music. You know what else is on Amazon Music? Me. I'm on there. The sound off. You can get the sound off on Amazon Music. But anyway, take advantage of that and uh, support the podcast in the process. Orange Cassidy. One-on-one against Pack. 
Cassidy put his shades on Pac at the very beginning of the match. Pac did not look amused by this. He took the shades off. He proceeded to destroy them. And uh, Orange Cassidy was about to put his hands in his pockets. Pac was uh, not going to have any of that. Cassidy turned the uh, attempt by Pac. He went for a move. He turned it into a beach break. So going for his finish right at the beginning of the match... Didn't really buy into that near fall, but they tried. He then hit an hands in the pockets, suicide dive out onto the floor, onto Pack. Now, there was a point in this match where both guys were outside the ring. And they were in jeopardy of potentially being counted out. And I don't know how many of you picked up on this, but Jim Ross made a comment. And, and I had to make a note of this here. Jim Ross is the one who points out that, boy, you know, these guys are awfully close to being counted out here, right? And then he goes, well, if they're, if they're counted out, it would be like one of those kissing your sister finishes. And I kind of, I just sat here kind of absorbing this, absorbing what he just said here. And I'm just thinking to myself, I don't know what the fuck JR used to do down there in Oklahoma, but maybe he ought to keep that to himself. I'm not privy to the the old kissing your sister finish. I can't recall any of my favorite wrestlers using that as their finish. I know The Undertaker on an episode of Raw once used the say what if you sleep with your sister finish, which worked, by the way. Although you had some dumbasses in the crowd who still went, what? So I guess it didn't really work. But yeah, I don't know what the fuck he was talking about there. I have no idea. Maybe somebody can clue me in. Maybe I'm missing something here, but that kind of freaked me out a little bit. So during the commercial break, Pac took control with an attack on the floor. Back inside, Pac sent Orange Cassidy into the barricade. Or uh, outside the ring, back from break, I should say. Sent him into the barricade. Then they got back in the ring. Pack went up to the top rope, hit two shotgun drop kicks, took down OC. Hit a third to Orange Cassidy's back for a near fall. He went for the black arrow. So up to the top goes Pack, and Orange Cassidy slowly rolls out of the way and he rolls underneath the bottom rope under the buckles. He's looking up at Pack. He's posing. He's basically taunting him. Pat climbs down, drags him back into the middle of the ring. And Orange Cassidy ended up sending Pat hurtling face first into the middle turnbuckle. And he goes for a victory roll. Pat kicks out. Now here's where things unfortunately took a bit of a turn. Pat hits a thrust kick that looks like it really uh, caught him pretty flush right in the face. And Orange Cassidy looked like he got his bell rung. Legit. He immediately is grabbing his head. Aubrey Edwards comes over. You can see that she's trying to talk to him, and she's putting her hands up, and Pac is kind of backing away, like, all right, he doesn't really know what to do. Uh, He did follow that up, though. Once Orange Cassidy, I guess maybe he thought he was okay, followed that up with a stiff Liger bomb for two. I mean, he folded this guy up. Let me say this. If Orange Cassidy wasn't hurt, he probably was after this. And if he was hurt, He didn't feel any better after that Liger bomb. He got dropped right on the back of his head. And at that point, he pretty much rolled out to the apron. Pat kicked him out to the floor. The ringside doctor came over to check on Orange Cassidy. They kept the camera on Pac, 
who started posing on the buckles. I mean, this is what you do when somebody is legitimately hurt. So I think he got his bell rung. I think he may have been concussed. Hopefully he's not concussed. Hopefully it was just, you know, he got he got his clock cleaned and then everything will be fine. Uh, but I think this was a legitimate injury. I don't think this was part of the match. During the break, he was being checked on by the ringside doctor some more. Don Callis came out with a mic in his hand, and he's taunting Pack on the ramp. And again, this just felt to me like they're calling an audible here. Maybe this was going to happen later in the match. He came out early. Maybe this wasn't exactly the planned finish. Because the finish of this sucked. The finish of this, I thought the match up to up to a certain point where it looked like Cassidy got hurt was was good. It was fine. But the finish of this absolutely sucked. I don't want to take it out on them too much, though, because I think it's a legitimate injury. Now, maybe I'll be proven wrong tomorrow morning. And they'll say everything is okay with Orange Cassidy. Even if that's the case, I think they were scared enough to kind of pause the action for a little bit, and they had to figure out, well, what do we do? You know, where do we go from here? Well, cue Don Callis. Out he comes with a mic in his hand. Kenny Omega, now that Aubrey Edwards is distracted, Kenny Omega sneaks up from behind Pack and whacks him with the championship. And Aubrey Edwards then counts 10, counting both men out of the match. And Omega and Callis are very proud of their handiwork. Our job here is done. Not so fast. Tony Schiavone gets up from the announce desk and says that uh, he's been informed by Tony Khan that at double or nothing, Kenny Omega will now have to defend his title against not one but two men, and that being, of course, Pac and Orange Cassidy. They're not happy about it. They rant, they rave, and that's the end of the segment. So I'm going to assume the triple threat was always the destination. I don't think they improvised a new main event for the pay-per-view in in the span of uh, five minutes. But the way in which they got there, and I think the way the finish of this match played out, to me, reeked of them just calling an audible uh, because of an injury. And hopefully he's not hurt. Yeah, especially if it is a concussion. Concussions are a messy thing. I mean, you just don't know. I don't know what their concussion protocol is in AEW. WWE talks about they have the, you know, uh, what do they call it? Impact testing that they have and... You know, they're very strict now. They're very strict about concussions in a way that they never were before. I mean, 15, 20 years ago, forget about it. You get concussed, it's like, hey, shake it off and get back to work, you lazy bum. You know, it's not like that anymore. You can get a concussion and be back in a week. You can get a concussion. Remember Dolph Ziggler all those years ago? You got a concussion? We didn't see him for like three months. You never really know with these things. So... Uh, I haven't checked yet to see if there's any updates. Hopefully, it, it looked bad, though. It did uh, It did not look good. But uh, as of right now, the triple threat is uh, the main event, I guess, or at least one of the main events set for the pay-per-view on the 30th. Finish sucked, but I'll cut him some slack on that. We had a backstage segment with Hangman Page, flanked by the Dark Order, talking about his loss to Brian Cage a few weeks ago. And he said it took three men to beat him down. It took all of Team Taz to get the job done. He said that you and I ought to meet again one-on-one, this time at Double or Nothing. So there's the uh, the match for Hangman heading into that show. Then it was time for the Pinnacle. The Pinnacle Coronation. After their big victory at Double or Nothing. or At uh, Double or Nothing. It should have been at Double or Nothing. Their big victory last week on Dynamite. 
over the inner circle. They had five of the finest ladies with them that they could find in Jacksonville. That's uh, in the words of Tully Blanchard. But we had the pinnacle in the ring. MJF was out there wearing a crown and a pink suit. It's actually more salmon. This wasn't like Bret Hart pink. It was more like the uh, the suit jacket that Mark Henry wore in his phony retirement speech on Raw. He told everybody to bow down to the pinnacle. He said the biggest draw professional wrestling has ever known is MJF. Pointed out that Dynamite ranked number one on cable for the first time last week and number one on TSN in Canada, which he credited to the Canadian god in his words, Sean Spears. Pointed out that the inner circle is down two men because one stabbed him and the other man tripped and fell off the cage. And he asked the fans if they would like to see a rematch, which is what the inner circle wants. And of course, everybody said yes. So then he said no. Because he's a fucking heel. That's what he does. He doesn't give you what you want. Tully Blanchard took the microphone. And he was very loud. This was a Tully Blanchard promo. Where he screams into the microphone. But it's good though. It's good screaming. He's a very old school guy. All those guys scream. Flair screamed. The Warriors screamed. Hogan screamed. Everybody. You know who didn't scream? Jake Roberts. Jake Roberts talked very softly. He would make you listen instead of yelling at you. But Tully Blanchard said that these men took everything the inner circle could take. And by the end, the inner circle was quitting. And he then handed out five gold watches. Five gold watches. I think Rolexes. I guess they would have been Rolexes. All of a sudden, we hear a horn honking. And it turned out to be Ortiz, Hager, and Sammy Guevara. Riding in on uh, some kind of vehicle. I don't know what it was. It was some kind of uh, weird sport vehicle. And I could, before the big reveal, I could already see there was somebody else in the back. And I kind of got a view of who it was. And I said, oh, come on. And sure enough, who pops his head out of the back of the vehicle? It's Chris Jericho. Now, his arm and his elbow, it is in a cast. But it's Chris Jericho. They couldn't even keep him off television for one week. One week. He had to be back on the show right the, the very next week. And he looked fine, aside from the big giant cast on his arm. He otherwise looked perfectly fine. You couldn't keep him off for one fucking week. So Jericho pops up. And he also says, want to know if you're going to give us the rematch that we asked for. And MJF said, no, no rematch. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And so Sammy Guevara, he takes control of this uh, high-powered hose. Looks like like uh, like an army tank where they have the thing that's going to just blast something out at these guys. And what they end up blasting out is a little bit of the bubbly, or what we were supposed to believe is a little bit of the bubbly. They filled their tank with, I guess, uh, a whole bunch of champagne, and they hosed down the members of the Pinnacle. Yes, we got a beer truck retread here on Dynamite. I guess at some point you kind of run out of ideas. MJF is uh, selling it. Oh, they're all selling it. They're comically overselling it, right? Just like the corporation did back in 99. Although it was uh, a little more fun the first time I saw it. MJF gets the mic. He's screaming. He's telling the people to shut up. And he says, all right. Challenges the inner circle to the same match that the inner circle lost last year. A stadium stampede. At double or nothing. And everybody cheers and MJF says, not so fast. Don't get ahead of yourselves. Because there's some strings attached. There's a stipulation that goes with this. And the stipulation is simple. If the inner circle loses like they did last year, the inner circle must disband forever. The inner circle is no more. If they fail to win the stadium stampede at double or nothing. And Jericho didn't give an answer. He looked like he was going to have to give it some thought. So we don't know yet. The match is not yet official. Of course, it will be. But that is the big uh, stipulation for the match coming up on the 30th. As far as the stadium stampede goes, look, I didn't think they were going to do another one. I really didn't. I thought last year, no people in the building, so they can get away with going next door to the football stadium and doing this different type of match in front of no people, right? Well, this year it's a little bit different. They're going to have a, uh, well, whether it ends up being full or not, who knows. But full capacity crowd, just like a, almost like a normal show at Daly's Place, right? A whole crowd full of people. I don't know. It's kind of weird that they're going to take these 10 guys and send them next door in front of no people. And then show the people in Daly's Place the entire match on a giant screen, which is what they did last week, by the way. All those matches you saw before the War Games match, they were not uh, taking place live. The fans live in the building were providing the uh, soundtrack. But all those matches were taped the week before. They were only there. They got one They got one live match, which was the Blood and Guts match. So now I assume they're going to be watching this on a giant screen. I just didn't think they were going to do that. Uh, I thought the match last year was fun. I remember liking it. Uh, maybe not every single part of it, but when it was over, I thought it was, you know, I thought it was a fun match. Th- this should be fun, too. I don't think this needs to be an annual thing. I really don't. I don't think this needs to be an annual thing. The question now is, you got a big win for the heels last week, right? It was the right outcome. The heels should have won that match. MJF stood tall. They did all of that right. Now we're getting a rematch, right, which is weird. A match like Blood and Guts should not build to another match. The Blood and Guts match should be the match. That should be the blow-off. That should be the end of the feud. 
So it's already a little weird that we're already getting another rematch so soon after the Blood and Guts match. It's kind of like when I complain sometimes about the use of certain maneuvers in, in AEW as a setup move when it should be the finish. Well, you could apply the same analogy here in terms of the matches. They're using a War Games match as a setup for the finish instead of making it the finish. The Blood and Guts match, the War Games match, is the new destroyer in AEW. I don't like that. That I don't like. Don't treat the match like that. The match should be uh, the end-all, be-all. There's really no need for this. But the point I was going to make is, all right, the Inner Circle already won, or already, uh, the Pinnacle already won. So now they either win again, and then the Inner Circle is forced to break up, which I think is fine. I think you give the heels two wins, you make them even stronger, and then Jericho and Sammy and Santana and Ortiz, they can all go off and, and kind of do their own thing. I feel like they've already done everything there is to do. If they beat the Pinnacle, where to next for the Inner Circle? Who is left? What other groups are really left for them? I mean, I know they got factions galore in this company, but you're not going to put them against any any old faction, right? You're going to want to put you want to want to keep them at the top of the card. Well, who's left? The Elite? I mean, okay, the Elite. That's about it. So it feels to me like we may be approaching the end of the inner circle anyway. So yeah, I would I would give the pinnacle another win. I wouldn't do things any different. I would give the pinnacle another win and let the inner circle kind of ride off and do their own thing. Because if not, all you're doing is coming back and giving the baby faces the win. And if you do that, then what the fuck was the point? What was the point? If they're just going to trade wins, you know, back and forth. Britt Baker sat down with Jim Ross earlier in the day, sit-down interview, talking about her championship match with Hikaru Shida for the women's title of Double or Nothing. And she recalled Shida breaking her nose last year and busting her open. And now Britt Baker is the baddest bitch on the block. She said, those are your words, JR. You called me that. She said Shida kept the division alive, barely. Over the last year. But Britt Baker is the face of the division, the role model, the heart, and the soul, and the pulse. And when you have a pulse, you don't need a machine keeping everything alive. At double or nothing, she is going to become the champion, and she will keep the division alive herself. Well, she will become the champion. That much is true. Britt Baker will be your new women's champion after double or nothing. Hikaru Shida has had a nice lengthy run. And it comes to an end in a few weeks. Thunder Rosa was back. We haven't seen her, I think, since the Lights Out match with Britt Baker. She took on Jasmine Allure. She uh, threw some chops. Jasmine reversed the whip and hit an uppercut. Rosa killed her with a shotgun drop kick and hit a pair of running sentons, shoulder breaker, and the fire thunder driver for the win. Spanish Goddish, thank you for the $3.99 super chat. What's going on, man? I hope you're doing well. Now, I have another uh, note here I just wanted to mention on Thunder Rosa. Separate but relevant to AEW. Uh, Thunder Rosa accepted a match this week on NWA Power 
that could very well see the end of her appearing on AEW television. Uh, or appearing with any other wrestling promotion at all outside of the NWA. So, Camille, who I do miss. I, I miss seeing Camille. I haven't been keeping up with NWA Power since it came back. Of course, I used to watch it every week. As you guys know, I would review it on the podcast every week when it was on YouTube. But Camille, on the show this past week, accused Thunder Rosa of using the NWA for her own selfish interests making appearances on AEW Dynamite and such, and said that she would put her number one contendership to the NWA Women's Championship on the line in a match against Thunder Rosa, provided that she agreed if Thunder Rosa lost, that she would no longer be able to wrestle for any promotion outside of the NWA. Which is such a weird stipulation, right? It It just makes the NWA seem so Mickey Mouse. Like, when I beat you, you're going to stop showing up for all these other companies and just pay attention to this one. That's basically what the stipulation is. And Thunder Rosa agreed to that, and uh, we don't have a date yet. The date has not yet been announced for that match. But uh, Thunder Rosa takes a lot of non-NWA bookings. AEW is hardly the only promotion that she appears for. So I would be very surprised if she ends up losing that match. So... I don't think she's losing that match. Patrick County, thank you for the $20. Super chat drop said, maybe my favorite dynamite so far. Longtime fan, stay safe. And God bless. There it is on your screen with freaky Jeff Hardy. Jeff the jobber. There he is, ladies and gentlemen. Take a good look. WWE's latest star, Jeff the jobber, on your screen right there. Two straight losses to Jinder Mahal, one of which came on main event. Main event, we had, speaking of main event, we had Darby Allin in the main event. It was a perfect segue. I love when that happens. Darby Allin with Sting in his corner, taking on Miro for the TNT Championship. Darby was looking for his 10th successful TNT title defense. Darby was... Pushed down a flight of stairs last week in a very dumb stunt. And was bound and determined regardless of whether or not he was cleared, whether or not he felt he was 100%. They had a vignette before this match where there was some guy, producer maybe, uh, driving with him. Darby was driving and the guy was interviewing him in the car. And it was a good vignette. You knew Darby was going to wrestle no matter what. Miro was throwing him around like a child for the first few minutes of this. He clotheslined Darby over the barricade and onto the concrete, into the crowd. He gets Darby back into the ring, and Paul Bear is asking him if he can continue. He's asking Darby if he can continue, and Darby, of course, is like, I can go, I can go. Uh, Paul Turner, not, Jesus Christ, not Paul Bear. <laughs> that, would be, that would be a news story. That would be a news story if Paul Bear was officiating the main event tonight. That, w- that would have been headline news at the beginning of the podcast. Paul Turner, I'm sorry. So Darby says yes, he can go. And as soon as the bell rang, Miro hit a thrust kick and took him down and went for the pin, but Darby kicked out. So, of course, Darby makes a comeback, 
and hits the cannonball tope through the ropes, knocking Miro down. I mean, he came out with such velocity. When I say cannonball uh, dive out through the ropes, he looked like he was shot out of a cannon. And I loved it because he nailed Miro. It just, I say this with Ray Phoenix, and I say this with Santos Escobar in NXT. There's a select few who I really enjoy it when they hit that move because it actually looks devastating. And that's what this looked like here. Darby just came like a like a bat out of hell and took down Miro outside the ring. So then Darby climbs up to the top rope and he's going to hit a coffin drop. And he hits a coffin drop from the very top onto Miro out on the floor. Miro, though, catches him and throws him overhead release German... Actually, it wasn't an overhead release, but it was a release German suplex. And he drops him on the floor. He bounced. Took their final picture-in-picture break. During the break, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, they took out Sting with a chop block. Although a few minutes later, Sting was right back, standing by the apron, managing Darby. Although he was limping. He was limping around a little bit, but uh, he was still there. Back from break, Miro solidly in control he's got a bear hug on the mat and yet again uh darby made a comeback darby makes a comeback gets a sleeper on miro gets miro down on one knee miro though makes it to the ropes for a break darby jumps right back on him on the floor now he's got a sleeper hold on him i like how he was pinching his nose closed to try to cut off the air supply miro ran him into the wall Over by the timekeeper's table, there's this wall. Just ran him right into it to break the hold. So back inside, Miro is torturing Darby some more, and the camera gets this close-up shot. Darby is sitting up against the middle middle and the bottom rope, and he looks at Sting. Sting is standing right outside the ring, staring at him, trying to motivate him. And Darby puts his fist out for a fist bump, and he and Sting share a fist bump. This is like something out of a, like out of a movie or something. That would be the last fist bump before Darby was sent to his death here in this match. Darby hits the flipping stunner, gets a roll up for a near fall. Hits a second flipping stunner, goes up for the coffin drop, lands on Miro, but as he lands on Miro, Miro catches him on the way down, on the landing. Hits a release German, Darby lands on his feet. Darby hits a code red for a very close near fall and then Miro locks in his game over finish he yanks back on Darby's body Darby I guess passed out referee calls for the bell and your new TNT champion thy name is Miro Miro is the new TNT champion as I said last week he would be now not a doubt in my mind that's the whole point of doing the injury angle with Darby last week. That's the only reason they did the injury angle with Darby last week, was to give him a built-in excuse. He's the scrappy underdog. He's going to fight. He's going to kick out. There's going to be a few near falls, but in the end, he will fall. And that's what happened. And now Miro is the TNT champion. And I have said for a while, there were only two people that were going to take that title off of Darby out. It was either going to be Miro who was my choice, or Lance Archer. It was Miro who took the belt, and now Lance Archer is going to challenge him for it because Lance Archer came out when the match was over and Jake Roberts was holding him back. 
So they're already teasing, maybe for double or nothing, that the next TNT title challenger is going to be Lance Archer. And you'll get the battle of the two big guys, all the beef, going one-on-one for the TNT title. Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page, again, they went after Sting on the outside. Dark Order runs out, chases them away. As far as what's next, you know, for Darby Allen, he could always challenge again uh, for the TNT title, although they're not going to put it right back on him. You know, if I'm AEW, I start grooming him for a match with Kenny Omega in the next few months. Uh, Maybe that's your title match at All Out. I know All Out is still many months away. That's an awfully long time. But if they take their time with it, and they're not, because you know they're going to come back to Omega and Hangman. That is what they're going to eventually come back to. And they even acknowledged on the show tonight in that vignette backstage with Hangman in the Dark Order, you know, the loss to Brian Cage. You know, he's really fallen down in the ranks and he's got to start to work his way back up. Well, that's going to take time. Before you get to Hangman, you can build up Darby and do Darby and Omega. Kenny is going to need opponents. They're going to blow through two of them at double or nothing. Well, then who comes next? I mean, I don't have the rankings in front of me, but who's next? Lance Archer is going to go after the TNT title. Sting's not wrestling. You got Christian. If Christian wins that battle royal at double or nothing, then he's got a world title shot in his back pocket. He could always, I say cash in, but you know what I mean. He could always cash in and, and have his title match uh, sometime between now and then. Maybe they go with Omega and Christian. Labor Day weekend. But as far as what now with Darby, I begin to build him up. Darby Allen has proven to be something of a, of a ratings uh, draw for AEW. You look at his segments and you look at his matches over the last several weeks, the numbers tend to go up for his matches. So he's been building a fan base for himself. You don't want him to fall down the the ladder the way that Hangman Page has. Hangman Page now is very cold compared to how he was even just four or five months ago. They have to be very careful that that doesn't happen with Darby because Darby has been booked like a big deal. You've got to transition him into something else that's meaningful and not something with uh, Dark Order or Money Matt. And his his band of merry men. I think you could build for Omega and Darby. Now next Wednesday, it's going to be Serena Deeb. She's been out with a knee injury, I believe, for a few months. She's going to be defending her NWA Women's Championship against Red Velvet. Christian Cage, one-on-one against Matt Seidel. Anthony Agogo, one-on-one against Austin Gunn. So Billy Gunn sacrificing one of his children. What a dad. Young Bucks defend against the Varsity Blondes. Hangman goes one-on-one with Brian Cage at double or nothing. So now we're talking about the pay-per-view. That match has been confirmed. They'll go one-on-one. We know there's going to be a battle royal. We know Matt Seidel is in it. We know Christian is in it. Cody one-on-one against Anthony Agogo fighting for the United States of America. If Cody doesn't win this match, I do believe that England will take over the United States. I believe that the UK will invade the U.S., We're all going to have to drink tea and all that other, you know, stuff that you do over there, I guess, if you believe in, you know, old school 80s wrestling promos, right? All all the old uh, tropes and stereotypes. 
tea and crumpets and we'll have to watch soccer. It's going to be awful. Cricket, I don't want that. You don't want that either. So we have to root for Cody. We have to root for the United States of America. It's us against them at double or nothing. It's the American dream, one-on-one against Anthony Agogo. It's fucking ridiculous. We've got Sheeta defending the women's title against Britt Baker. We've got Omega defending the world title against Pac and Orange Cassidy. That, of course, is if Cassidy is not hurt. And uh, even though it's not official yet, we're obviously going to get Stadium Stampede Part 2. Dried chicken without flavor says, right, eating biscuits. I mean, what an awful thing, right? Although I've had the biscuits from Popeye's. Fucking unbelievable. If they're like, if they're anything like that, I'll move to the UK myself. I got a lot of UK fans. And I gotta like that. Let's go to the poll. The Instapoll, 81.6% thumbs up, 18.4% thumbs down with roughly uh, 1,000 votes. Look at that. About 1,000 votes in so far. Very positive reaction to AEW Dynamite tonight. Some people saying uh, Jade Cargill. Yes, there was a Jade Cargill promo. She said absolutely nothing. She said the same fucking thing that she said now for weeks. I'm the bitch. Isn't that what she basically says? She called herself a bitch. She doesn't want a manager. We learned absolutely nothing new tonight. They aired some footage from Dark of MJF's old fake lawyer, the one who wrestled John Moxley, courting her on Dark. That was it. We learned nothing new. So I skipped over it. So let's go ahead and check out your Super Chats, as I promised you I would do. Uh, Dried Chicken Without Flavor, I mentioned him a little bit earlier. He obviously is very happy that uh, they're going back out on the road. Uh, Ryan Spice, thank you for the 10. Did you see the stipulation that NWA set for Camille and Rosa? It is the dumbest stipulation ever. Yes, I just uh, talked about that. And how dumb it uh, it comes up. Well, if you're an NWA fan, though, it just I you know to me, it just makes the NWA seem uh, bush league, which I guess it is by comparison to some of these other uh, companies that have TV. Uh, Aussie Nando's. I prefer WCW stables than AEW. Uh, Natural born thrillers and filthy animals were great stables. Rodimus Prime with that 55 drop earlier. Pretty kick-ass show. Enjoyed it overall. Loved the U.S. title match. The tag team title match was epic. I I wouldn't uh, go that far. I wouldn't call the tag title match epic, but it was very good. Uh, Bryant Becerra. Hey, Solomonster. Tonight's show was good. Thank you for the $51, Bryant, again. Brandon Mobley. With the $5 Super Chat, I can't wait to go to Dynamite and Garland again. I went in December of 2019, the night the Bucks fought the Lucha Bros in a street fight. Good venue. So there we go. There's our first uh, fan who is going to be in attendance at one of the AW road shows coming up. If you are going on the road to any of these AW events, uh, I know I'm not taking calls every week, uh, but certainly if I am that night, call in. If not, send a message in. I'd love to hear what you thought of the show, or you could drop me an email, drop me a tweet. Let me know how many people are there, what the atmosphere is like. Is it packed? Is it not packed? Is pack on the show? I'm relying on you guys to let me know. 
You're going to be my eyes and ears. Food Hive, I'm going to the Dallas show. It's by Home Base. Well, there you go, Food Hive. Let me know how that goes. I want to know. I want to know uh, what your experience is like. Very curious how many people are going to actually turn out for these shows. I I don't know that we're going to have a packed house in uh, all of these places. Then again, apparently Machine Gun Kelly was it ran a concert at Daly's place a few weeks ago. Had a packed uh, a packed audience. So you never know. You know, people are tired of being cooped up. They want to get out. They want to enjoy themselves. They want to be around other people. And so maybe they're willing to come out. Kayfabe. FTW with a $5 super chat. If AEW introduces trios titles later this year, who would you have as the first champions? Well, if it was a few weeks ago, I would have said Death Triangle. I don't know that Death Triangle is um, is a thing. So if not Death Triangle, I'm trying to think what trio I would like to see uh, with those. Be- you know, I could see Best Friends. I'm not saying I would I would put the belts on them, but I could see, you know, Orange Cassidy, Trent, Chuck. I could see them holding the belts. Um, I don't know. I don't know that I have this burning desire for any one team, but I think Trios titles would be fine. They have so many different combinations in this company, I think it would only make sense to introduce them. Uh, Anti-M Bishop 07 with the $10 Super Chat. Bishop here. AEW will try to be back in Houston in August. I do plan on going. Epsilon Sama with the five. Well, Immortal Vegan says Jurassic Express. There you go. Mr. Dynamite says three members of the Pinnacle. I forgot about Jurassic Express. Epsilon says, think we seeing the American Dragon Brian Danielson coming out to Final Countdown, going after the American Dream Cody Rhodes on Double or Nothing. No, we are not. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Cody has a match. It is tempting to think about, though, the way Tony Khan seems to be throwing around money to buy up all these, uh, the rights to all these songs, that we could see Brian coming out to uh, Final Countdown again one day. AEW may be the only place he could do that in. Who else is going to have the money to even plunk down on the music? But no, we're not going to see Brian to Double or Nothing. If you are going into that pay-per-view with that as your expectation, you are going to be disappointed. Don't do that to yourself. Pedro Velasquez, who are Shawn Michaels' top five feuds in your opinion? I I mean, this is not any kind of ranked order, but obviously Bret Hart would have to be up there. Uh, You know, you would have to... I would think Jericho maybe would be uh, on that list as well. They had some memorable matches in that uh, memorable feud in 08. Undertaker would be on there. Undertaker may well be number one, honestly. 
So who do we got? We got Brett, we got Undertaker, we got Jericho. You know, people, some people would say Triple H. I guess that kind of makes sense. Triple H on there. Got one spot left open. You know, he, he is kind of defined by that feud, I feel like, with uh, Razor Ramon. Right? But it's tough for me to leave Kurt Angle off that list. The build-up to everything at WrestleMania 21, some of those segments on TV. Kurt singing Sexy Kurt. The uh, the WrestleMania match. They had two more matches that year. They had one at Vengeance, and they had a, a 30-minute Iron Man match on the uh, Raw Homecoming show. So, you can't really go wrong with Kurt. I, you know, I don't know. How you rank them, that's a little bit tougher. But I think Undertaker would probably be number one. Uh, Khaled Adam with the two box thoughts on Kazarian using the Styles Clash. I just looked at it as a nod to one of his good friends. Nothing wrong with that. Ryan Spies, random guess, but I think Wild Thing was going to be used at Revolution, but they couldn't get the rights in time. It's possible. If it was, look, if it was a tribute to Onita, that would have been the time to do it. That whole main event at Double or Nothing was basically just a big, you know, kind of like a, a big wet kiss to Onita and Terry Funk back in 94 when they had the uh, the first ever time bomb no ropes exploding uh, barbed wire death match I didn't realize how uh, much they copied that match until I covered it last week on This Week in History right down to some of the spots that they did in that match the uh, the match of Revolution this year was basically like a love ballad to to that match with Funk and Onita. Bear eating. Thank you for the dollar ninety nine. Can terminated by DQ with the five bucks. It's a good thing Sabu wasn't on Dynamite because then he would be arrested for using a fork like he did on the great Terry Funk on the barbed wire match. Well, hell, if Abdullah the Butcher were there tonight, he'd be on death row. All the people he's carved up. Ojali Burgos with the $5 Super Chat. Hope you enjoy WWE Dynamite or Wednesday Night Raw tonight. Of course, because it's AEW, they'll get a pass by the masses. So much for an alternative. Well, you need to be specific. I have no idea what you're talking about. I assume you're talking about the beer truck thing, which I mentioned was uh, clearly a knockoff. But uh, be more specific. What else? Uh, what else are you referring to? I don't like these cryptic messages. Bear eating with the two ninety nine super chat. Uh, AW has used fake blood at times. Your thoughts? Well, tonight I don't see how tonight was fake blood. The way that this guy was leaking, that was not fake blood. I'm sure at times they have used fake blood. WWE has too. They've used blood capsules before. Uh, but I do feel like a lot of the blood we see is either it's either hard way or uh, it's from the blade. I mean, for God's sakes, last week when Jericho was on top of the cage, you could see he had the blade in his fucking hand as he was in the arm bar. He wouldn't even hide it. Dr. NXT Scorpio. Uh, with uh, It will be a joyous celebration when Britt Baker wins the AEW Women's Championship and we have a champion that we need. 
Fried chicken. I'm pretty sure AJ Styles is cracking a smile on his face after seeing Frankie hitting a Styles clash on Dynamite tonight. And he says, I don't care what anybody says. Max Caster and Anthony Bowens deserve a big push. The acclaim can definitely draw ratings. Check out AEW Dark. Dr. NXT Scorpio says, I laugh when MJF said that Sean Spears is a Canadian hero. He ain't my hero in Canada. Retro A with the $5 super chat. Tony Khan and the executive VPs must have the Peacock WWE Network in the back watching old shows, writing down ideas that used to be over. Yeah, you know, that's the problem when you do something like the whole uh, the, the bubbly shit that they did tonight. It's just such a retread that all you're doing is just reminding people. Because there's no way you're going to be able to top the original, right? The original is the original. I mean, Kurt Angle did it. They they copied their own idea. They did the milk truck. To me, that's meant as a spoof. But, and also, he was doing it to Austin. So it kind of, that's why they did that. But anybody else who tries to, to do something like this where... You got all the heels gathered in the ring and there's somebody with like a cannon, like a water cannon shooting stuff at them. All you're going to do is make people think about the beer truck and go, ah, they're doing the beer truck. So maybe you could try to put your own little spin on it. You know, whatever that would be. I guess they opted not to do that. Spanish goddess, you need to listen to the confronting podcast. I don't know what that is, but uh, I'll, I'll make a note of that. Thank you, sir. Patrick County, again, thank you earlier for your $20 super chat. Says, maybe my favorite Dynamite so far. Juan Ocampo. Juan Ocampo. All the first match needed was the NJPW announcer. His New Japan theme is better. We need you to do an impersonation of him. Oh, Death Rider. Well, I'm not going to do it in, uh, in in Japanese. But uh, there's still time. There will be more between AEW and New Japan. Just got to give it time. Patience. New Japan has like seven wrestlers who are under like COVID lockdown right now. They have their own little COVID outbreak, so... We should just be lucky we got Yuji Nagata on this show. I don't know who else they're going to have left if this keeps going down that road. Dried chicken, it would be funny to see the inner circle pretend to accidentally spray sewer uh, sewer waste instead of the bubbly at the pinnacle. Well, then that, that, that would just be copying another angle. So that wouldn't work either. King of Doug style with a $5 super chat. Uh, If they were going to do Stampede, they should have done that last week and had blood and guts at double or nothing. Zach Masters, Darby is officially my favorite. He brings realism to wrestling with his performance. Great storytelling. It was like watching a movie. Yeah, you know, I think if anything, I um, I may have actually undersold that main event. Darby Allen did a tremendous job tonight. I thought he did a tremendous job in terms of uh, selling the beating from Miro. Yeah, I even like the the fist bump uh, spot with Sting. It was a little campy, but uh, I thought he did a tremendous job. You know, Miro played his part. 
Uh, but Darby deserves uh, a lot of credit. You know, as, as great as I thought that match was, he had more to do with it than anything else. He is very good. Quintus Brown, who is the better overall, Cody or The Miz? I say Cody. I prefer to hear a Cody promo than a Miz promo. Cody is more believable. Well, it's funny you mentioned The Miz. Uh, you just uh, jogged my memory about something that was kind of embarrassing. I don't know if you noticed, but NXT this week, unopposed on Tuesday. Not a lot of competition. There were a couple of NBA games. I think uh, one of them, you know, did under a million viewers. I mean, one of them did normal numbers. NXT fell below 700,000 for the first time since moving unopposed to Tuesdays. 697,000. The penultimate episode of Ms. and Mrs. on USA after Raw Monday night, I believe the number was 784,000. Ms. and Mrs. did better than NXT. Think about that. And I guess that's good for Ms. and Mrs., but more, more than it being good for Ms. and Mrs., that's just pathetic for NXT. And I don't know what to attribute that to. I mean, they were promoting uh, a women's championship, actually two championship matches they promoted for the show this week, the women's title and the cruiserweight title. And they got beat out by the Miz's reality show. That's sad. That's just sad. Who would I prefer on promos? Uh, We've seen Miz cut very good promos. Obviously, we think back to the Talking Smack segment with Daniel Bryan, so we know he has it in him. Cody is a very good promo. He's just too self-indulgent sometimes and too long-winded in these promos for, for and not always for really any purpose. I mean, I'm going to say of the two, I got to go with Cody. Uh, but again, I don't want to say that Miz is a terrible promo. He's not. It's just that most of the time when we see him on TV, he says a whole lot of nothing. He has absolutely nothing of any significance to say. Cody, at least, does go from big feud sometimes to big feud, and he'll have that kind of one money promo that he cuts, and we get to see that more often than we do than we you know, get to see it from The Miz, because most of the time The Miz is doing comedy. Cody's not out there to do comedy. The Miz is out there to do comedy. So I'll go with, I'll go with Cody, but... Part of it is just the material that they're that they're given. Cody has the freedom to basically do whatever because he's a fucking EVP. You know, Miz doesn't have that luxury. It's a little bit different. Uh, dry chicken without flavor. $10 Super Chad. Japan is going through a state of emergency due to another wave of COVID in the country. Uh, New Japan shows have been postponed. Hopefully Riho can come back to the States. See, I thought Riho was already here. When she came back, I thought she was in Florida and she was staying here for a while. I didn't realize she had gone back to Japan, so it could be a little while before we see her again, if that's the case. Ken terminated by DQ. Why do some marks like Dry Chicken like the acclaimed? They are good workers, but Hit Row are better workers and have better rhymes. Well, that's your opinion. I mean, you you say that Hit Row has better rhymes. We've seen Hit Row on television for one week. We we saw Top Dollar on NXT 
wrapping his promo. That was the first time that they spoke as a group on television. So how do you know that they have better raps than the Acclaim? The Acclaim has been doing it for several months now. Max Caster is very good. He's very creative with his raps. I have no issue with the Acclaimed. If I like the Acclaimed more than I like Hit Row on NXT, does that make me a mark? Are you calling me a mark? It's a pretty stupid thing to say. So I I wouldn't call him a mark for having an opinion. I like Hit Row. I'm going to talk more about that on the podcast on Sunday. That's one of the highlights of NXT from uh, last night. Swerve Scott, he's finally in a groove. They finally got him doing something meaningful on NXT. And I like the group. I like the presentation. I like that segment on the show last night. You know, there's room to like both. You don't have to just compare the two. It's not like, uh, you know, you're playing for one team or the other. It's okay to like both. But I, I just think that's a bizarre, a bizarre thing to say. Ben Cathery, a big fan from Melbourne, Australia. Halfway around the world. And Magician Sapphire with the uh, $10 Super Chat. Darby is definitely on his way to bigger things. He's going to be a future AEW world champion one day. Has that superstar aura. He will. He's, you know... Again, one of those guys, like a Sammy or a Jungle Boy, that you build around. And one day, Darby, yeah, Darby will have the top title. I believe that. It won't be this year. Could be next year. Could be the year after. He's already proven to be something of a ratings draw. So, I mean, uh, as compared to everybody else in the company, you don't find too many people when you look at their quarter hours that kind of move them the way that he does. So he's got something. I don't know, you know, exactly what it is, but there's a certain characteristic that he has that clearly people find uh, interesting or they find appealing. You know, maybe it's whatever got people interested in seeing Crow Sting all those years ago, the kind of dark brooding character. He's not as big. He's a small guy. But he's got that explosiveness about him. He's got that uh, little bit of a mystique about him. He's a crazy fucking guy. He's obviously willing to put his body through things that the uh, normal average person would not be willing to do. Takes a lot of risks. He's like a walking episode of Jackass. So whatever it is, there, there is a certain appeal there. Pedro Velasquez with a $5 Super Chat. You may be the last one. Uh, As a fan of Santana and Ortiz, I would like AEW to push them as a serious main event team. Uh, Do you think AEW should consider that? Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. Without question. Without question. That's why they're in one of the, uh, the top factions that's featured on TV in this company. That's why they were in the Blood and Guts match last week. They deserve to be uh, featured and spotlighted in a top role. And uh, one day they will have tag team gold in AEW. Also goes back to House of Glory. That's where they're from. Private Party. Got to call some of their matches. 
Of course I'm a fan. Do you think Finn Balor will ever jump to AEW? I mean, ever is... It's such a long time. I, I can't say that he'll never jump to AEW. I can't say that nobody will ever jump to AEW. It's possible. I, I don't know that he's unhappy where he is right now. But I can't say for sure he'll never jump. Obviously, he's got some friends working there right now. I don't think he has a reason to jump. I think he's paid well. I think he probably enjoys working in NXT. So what reason would there be for him to leave? Mr. Mike says, I think MJF ends up in WWE. Well, WWE would would be crazy not to make an offer if he ever became available. But I also feel like, do we want a watered-down version of MJF? Hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't feel too good about that. I think he's fine right where he is. Uh, Food Hive, what was for dinner? Solomonster. Cereal or sponsor? Sponsor, actually. At another one of their meals tonight? Fucking amazing, man. I'm going to be talking about it Sunday on the show. And I got an offer. I got an offer for you guys. So yeah, I mean, it's a sponsor this week. But you, I'm telling you, you need to take advantage of this. It was fucking good. Even you would be proud, by the way. You you know, I, I think you know by now I'm not exactly a master chef. And uh, I, I was very proud of myself when I was done cooking this thing up. It was a, uh, like an apricot, it had like an apricot jam. It was like a chicken dish. Um, I have it listed over here somewhere, but oh my God, with uh, string beans and some white rice. It was so good. It was so good. You guys are going to love it. I'm telling you. You guys are really going to love it. So tune into the podcast on Sunday. I'll let you know what it is. Actually, I'll probably tweet about it tomorrow, too. So I'll give you guys a code that you can use. Uh, Ojali has uh, chimed in to clarify. Thank you for the 10 bucks, by the way. Says, I'm talking about pay-per-view bouts that are rematches of what we just saw on TV. Pinnacle against Inner Circle. Cage against Page. Cage and Page. Cage and Page. Pay-per-view matches with title with uh, Little Build. Also, that Matt Jackson, Shawn Michaels stuff. Yeah, I guess the Matt Jackson, Shawn Michaels thing. See, that didn't bother me too much because they're just a bunch of dicks on TV. And he was just sort of uh, yucking it up on purpose. That didn't bother me. But obviously, before, I just, you know, if you saw, I ranted on the whole, you know, treating blood and guts like a, like a setup, like a setup move. I, I agree with you on that. I, I think it's an ass-backwards way of doing things. That is not a match that I would treat that way. I know why they did it. They probably wanted to pop a big rating on TV. And it didn't really work. It didn't really work. Now, there were people blaming Cinco de Mayo, and who knows? Did Cinco de Mayo hold the audience down by 300,000 viewers, which is where I thought they probably needed to be? Maybe. Even still. Even though they were trying to use it as a TV thing. Yeah, I agree with somebody who sent in a super chat a little while ago who said that you do it in reverse. Why not set up a stadium stampede for TV? Use that as like a TV ratings draw? And save the blood and guts match. Come to think of it, you know, they're going back on the road in two months. 
They had a blood and guts match for Newark in March of last year that was going to be in front of a packed, hot crowd. They had already sold it out. 10,000 people were going to be in the building that night. And they couldn't do it. And they put it off. And they put it off for over a year. Until they finally said, we can't wait any longer. And so they did the match on TV last week. And now we find out a week later that they're going back out on the road in July. So why didn't they wait? Why not just wait? Why not do Stadium Stampede to double or nothing? Let that be the setup. And you still have two months. Take your time. And you build to the big climax. And pop a number on an episode of Dynamite in July. In Texas or Florida, wherever they're going to be. But in a different place, a different building in front of... I mean, unless they just felt that these buildings they're running, and I don't know the nature of these buildings that they're running, how big they are. Maybe they can't fit two rings in these buildings. That's a possibility. But, I mean, if they could fit two rings, then, my God, you're going back on the road in in seven or eight weeks. Why wouldn't you just wait? You've made it this far. Is it going to kill you to wait another two months? It's kind of a waste. Could have had blood and guts on the road. It's the only thing I could think of is those buildings are just too small for them to accommodate two rings. Otherwise, I don't know why they would do that. Dry chicken without flavor. Kenny Omega is a perfect annoying heel. I love it. He is very annoying. Kenny Omega is a very polarizing personality. There are people who absolutely love him, and they love his matches from New Japan and the matches with Okada. And then there are people who can't stand the sight of him. And I'm not just talking about uh, a certain guy living over there in Kentucky. But there are just people who just don't like him. They, They have this visceral hatred for him. So I feel like you can't really be in the middle on Kenny Omega. You really just, you love him or you just hate the guy's guts. But, you know, when you're trying to be a heel, you know, getting people to hate your guts, I mean, that's not really such a bad thing now, is it? That's kind of what you want when you're a heel. You want people to hate you. So anyway, uh, thank you all for your uh, super chats and all of your support. Don't forget, get AmazonMusic.com slash Solomonster. I'm going to talk about NXT from last night, and I'm going to talk about uh, all the other news of the week. we got more history coming up on the podcast this Sunday. That's going to be episode uh, 704. So I hope you will join me then for that. Actually, there's a pay-per-view this weekend. Yeah, it's WrestleMania Backlash on uh, Sunday night. It doesn't feel like it, though. Does it feel like WrestleMania is this weekend? Because it doesn't really feel that way to me. But I'll be here. I will watch, and I will be here live as soon as the pay-per-view goes off the air, and I will have my full review for WrestleMania Backlash. I don't know what I'm doing as far as the predictions. I don't know if I'm going to go live. Uh, after SmackDown tomorrow night, or I'll just possibly uh, record them and upload them on Sunday, or I do, or on uh, Saturday rather, uh, or I just might wait for the podcast on Sunday for the predictions. I'll I'll let you guys know what I uh, decide to do. But uh, Backlash, which is what the show is, is on Sunday. So come on back here to the channel on Sunday night, and uh, we will. Recap all of it, the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. Again, thanks for all the Super Chats. Please hit that thumbs up before you get out of here. Who was it? Dry Chicken? 
Wanted some music? I didn't cue it up, but I'll tell you what I'll do. I will give you some music here on the outro. So be well, stay safe, enjoy the uh, the musical uh, parting of the ways here at the end of the stream. And I will see you back here for more Dynamite next Wednesday. And of course, Backlash on Sunday night. Until then, take care, guys. 